Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Colossians 1, we'll start in verse number 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, Do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. I want to stop right there, and I want to focus on verse number 10. Paul was praying for the Christians there, the believers at this young church in Colossae. They hadn't been together very many years at the time that he wrote them this epistle. And he said, I'm praying for you. And among other things, he said that I'm praying that you will walk worthy of the Lord. Walk worthy of the Lord. Now, it's important to understand that he didn't say that you will be worthy of the Lord because you can't make yourself worthy. Jesus has already done that. I said Jesus has already done that. By his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension and seating in heaven, he has established us us, each one of us. I'm talking about us as Christians, as believers. He has established us in his presence as righteous, justified, and and you can't get any more righteous than you are in Christ. But notice he said, I'm praying that you will walk. Our walk is different than our position. Or I should say it like this. Our position is distinct from our walk. They're not the same thing. And so he was praying here not about their position. Actually, he went on and talked about their position in in verse number 12. He said, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in, in light, who has delivered us from the authority of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. You know, that's already happened. I said, are you out there today? Hallelujah, go ahead. We're not, you're not in the Methodist church. You can go ahead and say amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you guys are, that was a joke. Come on. Ha, 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 ha. Respond a little bit today, would you? Praise the Lord. This is a Pentecostal church. We say amen and shout hallelujah. We wave our handkerchiefs every now and then. Glory to God. Amen giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, glory to God, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the life. We don't qualify ourselves. He qualified us. Amen. But in light, Paul is saying in light of that qualification, he said we need to be thinking about our walk. 
In light of the fact that we are qualified, in light of the fact that we've been raised up, in light of the fact that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, in light of that, God is interested in our walk. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. Not be, you are worthy, but are you walking worthy? Amen. Now notice this, fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work. You know, you hear some people talk today, if, if it's almost as if works is a bad word. Oh, we don't want to get into works. I do. I, will, I, I want to get into good works. Yeah. Works are important. If you don't believe it, read the second chapter of James. Faith without works is dead. Amen. And like I said, you hear some people say, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to do something. I was going to do something, but then I felt like, oh, I'm just doing this because I know I'm supposed to. That's just works. I'm not going to. Are you kidding me? You ought to go through the New Testament and look at all, look at all the places works are mentioned. There are, there are works uh, applies to different things. This is not in my message. This morning I'm working on another message, but I'll give you a preview. <laughs> there, the, there are different kinds of works listed in the New Testament. There are the works of God. Jesus was, uh, people were amazed at his mighty works. So there are works of power, works of God. Those, the, that's one use of the word works. The Bible talks about works of darkness. It talks about uh, the works of the flesh. Also, people have the idea that, that anytime you talk about law, you're talking about Old Testament. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law and we're not under the law in the sense that uh, the law of works, the law of commandments, that's not what, how we're justified. We're justified by faith in Christ Jesus. But being justified, we still have some commandments. Amen. We're, the, the New Testament is full, a lot of, full of a lot of instructions, what to do and what not to do. Yeah. And it's important how we walk. Amen. So, so the New Testament talks about works that people try to do to win salvation and that's always spoken of negatively. But then on the other side, there's a lot of scriptures that have to do with our good works as Christians, living right. Amen. Let's go back to our text. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, if you're genuinely born again, if, you're genuinely, if you've genuinely been saved, you want to please God. That's just something that happens uh, when a person is, 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 believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and they are born again, become, they become a new creature in Christ. There is an automatic response an automatic love, an automatic desire to please the Lord. Amen. And, and this talks about fully pleasing him. Let's go over to uh, 
Hebrews 13, look at another verse. Hebrews 13, verse number, starting verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. You know there are some things that are well-pleasing to God and there are some things that aren't so well-pleasing. Amen. And again, if, you, if you're a genuine Christian, you want to please God. And so he's talking here, he's, he's really just making a statement of faith it's that, that God would make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Notice that God would work in you what is well-pleasing. Let God work in you. Amen. And then go over with me to Romans chapter 12. Let's go back to Romans. We're just laying a foundation here. Romans chapter 12. And let's look at verse number one and two. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know, it's only reasonable. It's not unreasonable for God to expect us to please him. It's not unreasonable of God to expect us to walk worthy of the calling that we've received. Walking worthy of the Lord and and worthy of his mercy. It's It's not unreasonable. It is reasonable. He said, this is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants us to move from just being in his good will, permissive will, but to move into his perfect will because that's where the fullness of his blessing is. I said that's where the fullness of his blessing is, is in his perfect will. Amen. Uh, Go with me then to Philippians Philippians chapter 2. Verse number 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, well, now that just sounds like legalism to me. Therefore, my brethren, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is working in you. If you've been born again, God is working in you to give you the will to do what's right. Amen. And not only to will it, but to be able to carry it out. So I want to talk to you about living to please God. That's what we all want. But you know, sometimes there there are a lot of distractions in this life. 
there are, there are a lot of compromises that are presented to us. There are a lot of temptations that come our way. And if you're honest with yourself before God, you'll admit that there are times when you know you haven't pleased God. There are times, if you're honest, there, you'll, you'll admit there are times when you're, that, that you're not fully pleasing him. You're not really walking worthy of him. Well, how do, we, how do we overcome that? You know, God took you like you were. When you came to Christ, he didn't ask you to clean yourself up. Amen. He didn't ask you to stop doing anything. I said, when you came to Christ, God did not require you to do anything other than believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, everything that comes with that, recognize that you needed a savior, that you're lost and so forth. But, but the act that God required of you and I was that we believe, that we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, put our faith in him. He didn't ask you to give up gambling. He didn't have, never a dull moment with Sister Edna, is it? God didn't ask you to give up drugs. I'm talking about illegal drugs. God didn't ask you to do that to come to Christ. God didn't, God didn't require you to uh, give up any of the things that you knew were wrong God didn't require that of you in order to save you. He saved you just like you were. In all of your sin, in all of your messed up, twisted life and all the crazy things that you've gotten yourself involved in, the entanglements, the snares, the the bondages of this life, God wasn't offended with that. He opened his arms and said, come to me and let me wash you, let me cleanse you, let me give you a new life, praise God. He didn't require anything of you in order to be saved. He took you like you are. In fact, when people start trying to clean themselves up before they come to Christ, they get into a vicious cycle and and that's never profitable. All that will do is frustrate the grace of God that he's trying to give you. No, just open your heart and just say, you know what, I'm, a, I'm so messed up, I can't even think about all the ways I messed up. God, I just want you to cleanse me, wash me, receive me, and he did it, praise God, amen? But he didn't do that to leave you like you were. He took you like you were, but he doesn't want you to stay like you were. Isn't that right? He wants us to come to him and grow, increase in the knowledge of God, become more like him in our walk, in our, in our talk, in our behavior, amen? So in order to, to live to please God, know this, number one, he took you like you were, but he doesn't want you to stay like you are. He took you like you were, but he doesn't want you to stay like you are. Number two, go with me to James, the fourth chapter of James. 
Hallelujah. James chapter 4. Glory to God. Verse number 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Everybody likes to quote the last part of that verse. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But you, but you have to put it in the context of the first verse. Submit yourself to God. If you want to live a life that's well-pleasing, if you want to be fully pleasing to the Lord, you need to understand that he doesn't, even though he loves you like you are, he doesn't want you to stay like you are. And so the next thing you need to do is to submit yourself to God. What what does that mean, submit yourself to God? Submit yourself to God means to to submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Truly and in your heart, make Jesus really Lord of your life. Now I know in one sense, a lot of people, a lot of people come to Christ and they believe on him and they're, and they're sincere. They receive remission of sins. They're born again and they believe on Jesus as Lord, that he is Lord because he is but that doesn't necessarily mean that they respond to him as Lord like they should. Jesus is more Lord in some people, some Christians' life than he is in other Christians' life. Now listen, he is the Lord, but he might not be as much Lord in one person's life as he is in another. If you want to grow, truly make Jesus your Lord. Just come to say, Lord, I've got a lot of problems. I don't know how to sort these things out. I've tried. I'm doing my best. I I, I fail sometimes. but But I tell you what, I want to please you. You are Lord of my life. Whatever you say, I will endeavor to follow you. I will trust you. I will honor you. I will bless your name. I'll live for you. In other words, make him the supreme master of your life. He will not take that kind of role if you don't offer yourself to him. Amen. Because you and I know, I'm sure you do, I know I know of people that I'm, I'm, I, I, no one can look into somebody's heart. Nobody knows for sure somebody's relationship with God. But as far as I can ascertain, I believe, I know there are people that I believe are genuinely saved. But they don't seem to really have much of a heart for God. They've, that God, they've allowed God in just so far. And for them, that's far enough. Because they figure if I can go to heaven you know, with just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's really what I'm interested in. But they really don't have a heart for God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know people like that? Yeah, listen, you'll never please God unless you make a total surrender to him. I mean giving God, and that's something you have to consciously do. You have to consciously come before God and say, listen, I lay everything at your feet. I lay my life, I lay my, my ambitions, my goals, my addictions, my hang-ups, my problems, my sins. I just, Father, I want you to, to be Lord over everything. And I submit myself. God can work with a person like that. He will work with a person like that. 
So submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to the word of God. There's a, there's a, a well-known saying, and it's so good. If you haven't a, adopted it, 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 it'll work good for you. And that is the, the idea that if God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Come to God with that frame of mind that ahead of time, listen, before you even know what he requires of you, make this declaration. God, when I see it in your word, I'm gonna, it, I believe it. If it's in the Bible, then there's no argument about it. There's no discussion about it. If it's Bible, I believe it and I'm gonna act on it. Amen. Now, you, will you stumble? Will you, will you make some false steps? Absolutely. But God can work with a person like that. That if, you're, if the word of God is your final authority, if the word of God is the absolute standard that you will always hold yourself to, even if you fail over and over and over again, you don't move the standard. Even if you're struggling in your walk with God, you don't adjust the standard to meet your failures. No, you keep the, you keep the word of God as it is written, as it is revealed to you by the spirit of God, you keep that as your standard and you always move toward that. Love God's word. Don't try to, don't try to get out of, uh, don't, it's not that get out of thing. Don't try to wrestle with the scriptures to, to make them say something they don't say. Amen. You know, if it's, I have a lot of friends that are struggling right now because they've, they've decided that they've taken a particular doctrine and then when another verse of scripture or even several verses of scripture point out, points out that, that, that their, that their uh, doctrine is lopsided, they just, they just explain those scriptures away. So, well, it doesn't mean what it, what it says. That's not what, what it was. Well, it means clearly what it says. Now you have to read something in the context, you know, you have to look at the verses before it and after it, what its setting is and, and whether or not it's new covenant or old covenant. You have to consider all those things, those contexts. But when you consider all those things, the Bible says what it says. God knows better than we do. We can't make up our mind. Well, we're gonna have it one way, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna look at these other verses of scripture over there because we don't like them. Put the word of God first. Amen. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Submit to the Holy Spirit. He's not your warden. He's your helper. He's not your taskmaster. He's your your helper. He's not called alongside to bring you condemnation and to ruin your life. He's been called alongside to help. He lives on the inside of you to help you, not torment you. When the Spirit of God, when when the Spirit of God begins to deal with you about something in your life that needs to change, don't fight that. That's the Holy Ghost helping you. And He'll help you if you'll submit to Him. You might not know how in the world you're going to be able to do it. The, the Spirit of God may be dealing with you about an area of your life and you might think in your mind, you know, I, I've never been able to overcome this all of my life. I don't know how in the world, but if, you're, if Jesus is truly your Lord, 
If you're fully submitted to God the Father, if you're fully submitted to the Word, you'll respond to the Holy Ghost say, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. Listen, don't make it about you. Say, I don't know, Holy Ghost, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I believe we're going to do it. You're going to help me. Because he won't leave you alone. He'll help you. He won't just point out an area of your life that's wrong. Listen, if you, if you sense condemnation and guilt coming to you, that's not coming from the Holy Ghost. He doesn't, he doesn't deal in that. He's not a merchant of condemnation. The Bible says our own spirits condemn us when we're wrong, but the Holy Spirit, when he deals with you, he may show you something that makes you feel sorry that you've missed God, but there's always not just the revelation of where you've missed it, there's always a way pointing you out. There's a, the Spirit of God will always say, well, this needs to change. Here's what you can do. He'll always point you out. He'll always comfort you. When you miss it, he'll let you know sometimes. He'll say, now, you know, that's, you need to straighten that up. But, but when the Holy Spirit does, it's a comforting thing. It's a tender thing because the Spirit of God is tender with you. Amen. So submit yourself to him. So well, I don't know if I can afford to do. Some people are hesitant. You know, I know what you're saying, preacher, but I just don't know. I'm afraid. Listen, don't be afraid of God. His plan for you and his grace for you is the best thing you could ever have in this life. He will lead you if you'll help him, if you'll, if you'll yield to him. So what am I saying? Number two, submit yourself to God. What does that mean? Be willing to change. Just be willing. Some, some believers just aren't willing. Spirit of God deals with them about something. They just put the wall upside. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. Listen, don't be that way. Don't be obstinate. Be willing to change. In other words, have a desire to please God. Have a real desire to please God. Have a, and, and, and purpose in your heart. Even if you fail over and over and over again, always get back up with the purpose, I'm gonna get it right. I'm gonna get it right. I'm gonna overcome. Spirit of God's gonna help me. Amen? Number three is the next verse. Draw near, James 4, 8. Draw near to God. What does that mean? Draw near to God. I mean, if you're born again, aren't you near him? Well, you're in, you're in Christ, and in that sense, you are one with him. And again, people need to understand the difference between positional realities and, uh, and you know, positional truth and experiential truth. You are one with him in Christ, but you can still draw closer to him in your, in your uh, affections toward him. You must can't, you must be able to draw near to God because he, he told us to. Not only that, he said, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Well, if there's no, if there's no, if, if you can't get any closer to God and he can't get any closer to you just by virtue of being born again, this verse ought to be taken out of the Bible. There must be room for us to draw closer to the Lord. Draw near to God. What does that mean? That means worship him. Uh, turn your affections toward him. 
Get in the presence of God and just worship. That's the best way I know of, of drawing near to God. You just get in his presence and just get off someplace by yourself. You don't have to have anything fancy. It doesn't have to be on a mountaintop or out by a beautiful lake or on the ocean, you know, uh, uh, seashore or something. You can be at the, at, the, at the city landfill. It doesn't matter where you are. Yeah, you can just get with God and just begin to worship him. Just begin to tell him how much you love him. And start, start recounting what he's done for you. The fact that he saved you when you were a miserable wretch on your way to hell. He saved you. He rescued you. He delivered you. Then start recounting all of the things he's done for you. And just start worshiping him. Oh, I tell you what. He will respond. He will respond. You start drawing close to God and I guarantee you, he'll start drawing close to you. He'll start responding to you. He'll start ministering to you. Glory to God. And that old city dump can become an absolute uh, you know, palace in the presence of God. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can, be at. you can be at the broom closet at work, you know, just getting away with the Lord for just a few minutes and just worshiping him. And I tell you what, the presence, the presence of God coming in that broom closet, ooh, you think, you, you think you're in, you know, in the, it, 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 at the Father's right hand, you know, in glory. No, God will respond to you. Draw near to him in your heart. Notice that I haven't even dealt with uh, disciplining yourself yet. I haven't even dealt yet with, with doing anything to, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, discipline yourself to do certain acts. Everything I've talked about is in the heart. That's where the victory comes from is in your heart. Because if you get over in just trying to overcome your, your habits or your, uh, or your sin that, 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 is, that so easily besets you that just keeps tripping you up, if you focus on that, you'll get sidetracked. Yes, you have to be willing to give that to God. We've already talked about that, but that's a heart thing. Listen, what am I saying? God will help you if you'll just give your heart to him completely. If you'll just devote yourself in his presence. Oh, glory to God. He will respond. He'll start blessing you. I mean, you might have that cigarette still in your hand. But if, if, if you draw near to God, he will bless you. Now, he will lead you to get rid of those cigarettes. But he'll show you how you can be delivered. He'll lead you out of that. Some people are like Sister Iris. When she got back into fellowship with the Lord or got saved, I'm not sure which one. Yeah, when she, she was a smoker, when she got back into fellowship with the Lord, she never smoked another cigarette. It was just gone. I didn't experience that. When I first got back into fellowship with the Lord, I still smoked for a, a few months. I, I knew it wasn't right, but I also knew that God loved me and, and I knew he was working with me because I tell you what, I gave him everything. When I rededicated my life to the Lord, I, I, I stepped away from my past. I said, God, I want you in my life. I want everything you have for me. I still had some things I had to work through. Was God pleased with the cigarette smoking? No, he wasn't. And I knew it. But I also knew he was working with me and I wasn't playing a game 
Yeah, this is okay. God's not condemning me for this, so I'll just keep on doing, you know, this. No, I didn't play any games. I, 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 my heart was, I'm going to please you. And it didn't take very long, just a, a couple, three months maybe. And, uh, and God completely delivered me from it. Number four. We still in James 4? Look at verse 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself. What is, what is humility? Well, it's the opposite of arrogance and pride. Humility, every, really everything I've said up until now represents humility. When you humble yourself before the Lord, you, you come before the Lord and you say, Lord, you know, uh, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what you want me to do, what you'll ever require of me. See, a lot of people are afraid that if they make a full surrender to God, he's going to require something from them that they don't want to do. A lot of people are afraid they're going to be sent out on mission field. Oh, God, don't send me to Central America. It's dangerous over there. They're afraid God's going to send them to Africa or South America or to, to where are you going? You were, you were ready. I looked over there and you had that on your lips. Tajikistan. They're afraid, oh, Lord, don't send me. I think Jackie's crazy. Glory <laughs> to God. God help her. And so they hold back. Humble yourself before God. You say, God, I don't know what's best. I don't have the answers. I, 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 don't, I don't need to be in control of my life. I want you to be in control. I want you. You have to make that commitment before you know what he wants. That's humbling yourself before the Lord. You submit to him before you fully know what he wants. That's why, that's why you pray, Lord, if it be your will, you're not sure what his will is. But you say, Lord, whatever it is, I'll go, I'll do. And know that if he ever calls you to do something, he will put such a burning passion and desire in your heart for that thing. Oh, my goodness. As far as you're concerned, that's the best place in the world to be. It's the best, place, best thing in the world you could be doing. If God calls you to do something, if he asks you to do something, if you'll submit to him, God will put a love in your heart for that thing. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Number five, let him work in you. For it is God who is at work in you. Let him. Let him. Let him work. Don't try to force anything. Just let him work. Let him work. Don't get out ahead of him. Amen. Let him work. Let him work in you. And number six, trust him. This is, I'm gonna close with this. Trust him to lead you out of whatever you need to come out of and to lead you in to whatever you need to be into. Trust him to lead you out and to lead you in. If you'll submit to the word and to the spirit of God, he will lead you. And, and, and he won't make your life miserable in the process. You'll be more and more and more glad every day. You, the peace of God will grow in your life. The The... The sense of his presence will grow stronger. He will just, if you'll just follow him, just follow him. Let him lead you to in the areas where you need help, 
He'll show you how. He'll show you how to overcome those things. He might, not, he might not deal with you the same way he deals with somebody else. But he'll deal with you. You know, today, a lot of people come to church. They come to a church like ours and they've got sin in their life. Their, 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 their lives are all, uh, you know, in turmoil or they're just, you know, doing things they ought not do. And they come to a service like ours and, and they're the presence of God and preaching of the word, just the spirit of God deals with them. They come forward and they give their life to the Lord. And then they go home and, and their life is so messed up and they just don't know how they're ever gonna live this Christian life. And they get discouraged. And, and when you meet people like that, you can help them. You can help them. Listen, God's not out there, tell them, God's not out there demanding uh, you know, that you just become a, a, a robot. He will work with you. If you'll tell them, if, you'll, if they'll give him their heart, humble themselves, submit themselves to him, he'll work with them. I, I know people have come before, you know, in our church, and, and I see it. Maybe a young couple comes and, and, and they come forward and, and one of them gets saved or both of them get saved, and then they, they go back home and they, well, we're living together. Now what are we going to do? What are we going to do now? And they get discouraged because they feel like, well, you know, we're, 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 we're living in sin and, and it's just not an easy thing to extract yourself from. It's not easy. You know, you're sharing a house. You own furniture together. You've been together for 10 years. You know, you just, what, what are you going to do? Well, God will show you. Now you can't, you can't begin to rationalize and say, well, God saved me. We were living together, so it must be okay. No, it's not okay. But that doesn't mean that he's upset with you. He will point you out of that. I tell people when I, can, when I have an opportunity to talk to them, listen, you know, the living to get, the technical, technically living under the same roof is not sin. Just stop sleeping together. Well, we just have one bedroom. Well, you know, sleep in the living room. On the sofa. Well, I don't have a sofa. Go to Walmart and buy a, a camp uh, mattress. Put it on the floor. You know, you can, you, God will let you work through some things. Now, it's not all right to move in together because you're not going to convince anybody that you're not sleeping together if you're living under the same roof. But I'm talking about somebody that's already in that situation. You know, separate yourself. Stop having sex. And well, then, well, now what? Well, why are you in that relationship? Do, you know, do you love him or her? Yeah, well, why don't you get married? Well, I'm not sure I want to do it. Then you don't need to be in the relationship. I mean, if, if he doesn't want to marry you, then what are you, you you're going you're gonna to choose to live in condemnation the rest of your life, know you're displeasing to God, ruin your fellowship with God, eventually backslide for somebody that doesn't even love you enough to marry you? Amen. Come on now. Well, we can't get married because we're still married to somebody else. Well, get divorced. I mean, if that's over, well, your preacher's telling somebody to get divorced. Listen, you can't unscramble eggs. 
can't. Now listen, if you're if you are both believers and 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 you know God's best is for you to get back together, but a lot of times that that ship has sailed. They're living with somebody else. You're living with somebody else. Listen, just put an end to it. Listen, just do what you need to do. But my point is, God will work with you. He will not throw you out. He will not withhold his blessing from you. He will bless you. He will minister to you. Even in a situation like I just described, sure he will. As he's leading you out, you just got to be willing to be led. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.